All right. When we took a look at the scriptures in the life of Jesus last time, he was 12 years old and he was spending time in his father's house, making it very clear it was his father's house and Joseph was simply a guardian. And he was doing what he had to do, but it's the scriptures continue to say that he went and continued to be in subjection to his parents. Now some 18 years have passed before we now come to this next passage. And it's related to Jesus' baptism. And sometimes we kind of, uh, well, this is weird because our thinking of baptism, either correctly or incorrectly, um, has a lot to do with needing repentance and salvation and those types of things. And after all, we preach and we teach that Jesus was sinless. So why did he need to be baptized? Well, he's going to tell us, and then hopefully I'll add a, a, some additional sense to the scriptures, and maybe we can understand what Jesus is doing. So in Matthew chapter 3, uh, starting with verse 13, it says this, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. So Jesus was living in Nazareth, and so he makes a special trip to John for this purpose. So this isn't a spur of the moment, oh, I ran into him, I think I should get baptized kind of thing. Jesus intentionally goes to John for baptism. Now, John is, the, his mother was Elizabeth, and Elizabeth and Mary were cousins, which means that Joseph, I'm, I'm sorry, Jesus and John have a family relationship but John is the forerunner coming, if you will, in the spirit of Elijah to make straight the paths of the Lord so that Jesus' ministry would be more fruitful, if you will. And so he comes to John to be baptized. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? John understands if there is a baptism of righteousness He's the wrong guy because Jesus should be the one who's baptizing him because Jesus is the perfect son of God. He's just a sinful man. Which, again, let me give you a little bit of hope for those of you who have been baptized. Oftentimes, the pastors who have baptized us turn out to be not so great guys. They either fail in the faith or they do some, certain things. But your baptism isn't contingent on the quality of the person doing the baptism. Because we're going to see baptism is done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It isn't done by my name. It isn't done by my authority. And so it isn't a matter of, well, do I find the most perfect person to give me baptism so I feel safe of it? John acknowledges He's far less than Jesus. But Jesus says, no. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it at this time, for it is in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus is saying, this is something you and I need to do to fulfill righteousness. I'm going to chase a rabbit real quick here. You don't have to come to church to be righteous. You can go to the mountains, you can go to the beach, you can do all kinds of things. But Jesus even said, there are things we need to do to fulfill righteousness. And maybe you don't need church, but let me tell you, the people here need you. Because we're community, we're family, and maybe you need to strengthen us in our walk with him. It fulfills righteousness. As the scripture says, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So Jesus says, and, and we're going to see in the next gospel why Jesus is being baptized. Then he permitted him, and after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Now, there are lots of denominations who have lots of disagreements over what baptism is. We Baptists, 
And unfortunately, there are more types of Baptists than there are other types of denominations. There are Southern, Northern American, Free Will, Seventh Day, um, whatever grace, whatever word you might think of, there's probably a name Baptist attached to it. Um, Because unfortunately, apparently, Baptists have started more churches by disagreement than by intention. And so, but the one thing Baptists usually agree on is that baptism is the immersion into water of the person. Now, other denominations will sprinkle, and other denominations will say, well, you can sprinkle or you can immerse. It doesn't matter to us. I think Baptists rightfully believe that baptism is the immersion into water, and that's it. It doesn't save you. Grace through faith saves you. Baptism is a following of the will of God. It's a, we're going to see part of what Jesus tells us to do. But unfortunately, in today's world, we have kind of removed baptism from what it used to be. And in essence, baptism used to be your initial profession of faith. To give you an example, there was an Ethiopian eunuch who was studying Isaiah. And God sent Philip to that Ethiopian eunuch and preached to him the scriptures concerning Jesus. And as they were on their way, the Ethiopian eunuch says, there's water. What prohibits me from being baptized? It was a profession of faith. And that was your initial walk into the faith, was being baptized. Unfortunately, what we've done is a person will come down the aisle and say, I believe in Jesus. And we go, wonderful. We celebrate. And then we say, everybody in favor, say aye, aye. And then one week to nine months later, we baptize the person. That was never the intent of the scriptures. It was, I am making a profession of faith. Great, let's baptize you. That, your, that was your first testimony that you're a believer. And it's an excellent testimony because in baptism it shows the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is a symbol. But God takes his symbols seriously. If not, talk to Moses when you get to heaven. Moses struck a rock when he's told to speak to it. And we're told that that rock was Jesus. And so, yes, it's a symbol, but it's one that has an importance and sprinkling just doesn't show it. It'd be the same thing as if we had the Lord's Supper and instead of having wine or grape juice, I had milk. How does milk show the blood of Christ? How does doing this show the death, burial, and resurrection? Now, our other brothers and sisters in the faith, they're not lost because they didn't get baptized. We just disagree. We're just right. I'm saying, you know, but, <laughs> but we do so in love. I'm joking. We do so in love. But baptism is the showing, and I'm going to show that in a little later without any water. And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus' very beginning of ministry is his baptism. And his very beginning of his ministry is God the Father says, That's my Son. Not only is that my son, I'm pleased at him. The father gives his blessing to Jesus' ministry right off the bat. And then I want you to turn to John. Chapter 1, it says this. Starting with verse 19. This is the testimony of John when the Jews went to him. I'm sorry, testimony when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed, I did not deny, but confess, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. 
Are you the prophet? And he's answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, and he answered, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ? Now, in the Jewish custom, the only people who were generally baptized were non-Jews who wanted to become Jews, to become followers. And so part of the process, if you will, to become a Jew was for the men not only to become circumcised, but they were to be baptized. It was a sense of washing and cleansing yourself of the uncleanliness of who you are so that you might present yourself to the body of Jews. And so it was highly unusual for Jews to be baptized because they're the people of God. But here is John baptizing and going, well, why are you doing this? Are you setting up a new situation? And John answered them and said, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things he took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. He's going, I'm not the Christ. The Christ is one that I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal. Which is interesting because Jesus later will say, of all the men born of women, there's not one greater than John. This great one still understands he is no comparison to the greatest one. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John understood who Jesus was. John understood the ministry of Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This he this is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. John testifies, yeah, I was born about six months before him, but he existed because he's God. He existed before me, even though I was born before him. And I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. What John is saying is, yes, I baptized people for the repentance of sins and to get them ready, but I was also doing it for another reason, to find out who the Christ is. And so I was baptizing and not only that I might know who he is, but that Israel might know who he is. And John testified saying, notice, it isn't John said. John, he's putting his credibility on the line. He's testifying. I have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and remained on him. Well, we read that. That took place. John saw it. But this is it. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. John goes, I went, and as I dunk people, what's happening? Nothing. Okay, you're not the guy. You're not the guy. All of a sudden, when Jesus, and he baptizes, and he didn't want to. But then he would have missed out what was going to happen. And when he baptizes Jesus, he sees the Spirit of God not only descending upon him, but staying on him. And that one, the Spirit told me, he will not just baptize with water. 
where you get dunked and wet and then dry off, he will baptize with the Spirit, which will mean he will dwell in you forever and ever. And I myself have seen and have testified this is the Son of God. Before Jesus ever heals anybody, before he teaches a simple single sermon, before he rebukes anybody, John testifies he's the Son of God. The Father said he's my Son, and John testifies he's my And where two or more testify, it's established. Now, to give you a word of encouragement, there was no one greater than John. John was baptized, and he saw the Spirit. He knew who Jesus was, even testified he's the Son of God, even testified he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But unfortunately, there are times when circumstances will affect our faith. And later, John will be arrested for telling the truth. Because rebukes those for marrying and taking other in marriage and doing things that they shouldn't do. So he's imprisoned. And while he's in prison, Jesus is doing his ministry and Jesus is doing things. And John goes, sends representatives and says, Are you the one or we're waiting for somebody else? You see, John knew. But sometimes circumstances can cause us to doubt. I'm a broken record in this. Don't trust circumstances. Great circumstances are great circumstances, but you don't trust God because of great circumstances. And terrible circumstances are terrible circumstances, but you don't not trust God because of terrible circumstances. You trust God, and he will accomplish it. And so when we have those pangs of, of doubt and insecurity and uncertainty, even though we have testified before what's happening, unfortunately, we are in good company with people like John, who goes, my circumstances are is tough right now. So we see that Jesus was baptized to show the initiation of, of both he and John righteousness. And we see that it was a testimony that he is the Son of God by both the Father and by John. But baptism is just something that's just been relegated, and well, that's something we used to do. Jesus, before he leaves his disciples, says in Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now this is where I'm a little radical. Because everybody says this is the Great Commission. I've never seen anything that gives me any authority to do anything. I don't see anything that Jesus ever shares his authority with me. He goes, All authority is given to me. Because all authority has been given to me, I get to tell you what to do. So this is what you're to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Not just the people you like. Not just the people who speak the same language. Not just the people who are the same color. But we're to make disciples of all nations. Didn't say Christians. Said disciples people who are following Jesus and becoming more and more like him. And how do we start? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how you start. Because that's how they make their profession of faith. That's how they show by baptism, the death, burial, and resurrection. But we've been told to do that. But that's not where we live. And all too often... That's where great evangelists leave it. It says, go, make disciples, baptize them. Then they go, see ya. But notice what it says. Teaching them to observe 
It doesn't say, okay, here's a list of rules. Everybody know those rules? Excellent, I've done my job. No, no. He says, here are the things that Jesus taught. Not only did he teach them, but we observe them. So for instance, he taught us that we're to love one another as he has loved us. Now you can say, I got that one down, Pastor. I know that one. But it says to observe it. Which means I'm supposed to love you the way Jesus did. Lord, help me. Because sometimes you make it really hard. And I make it really hard on you. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then here's the blessing and guarantee. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We sit here in a section of the world called Westminster, California. It's in a county called Orange County, in a state called California, in a country called United States of America, in a continent called North America. If you take a globe and you look where Jerusalem is, and you look where we are, we're like at the uttermost parts of the world. So we're kind of where Jesus told we're supposed to be at. But we have a job to do in this remote part of the world, and we have a job to do not just here, but everywhere. It didn't say, John, you teach the Greeks, and Peter, you teach the Jews, and Thomas, you teach the Indians, and Mark, you go teach the Egyptians. It's to make disciples of all nations. Your job isn't just one little piece. It's the entire world. Which is a really big job. But we have a really big Lord. And he's going to be with us even, even if this is the end of the If Jesus comes tomorrow, he's going to be with us till tomorrow. If he doesn't wait till another thousand years, he'll be with us another thousand years. The last scripture that I want to talk about, about baptism, is found in Romans 6. It has nothing to do with water. It says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? He's not talking about when you got dunked in water. He's saying when you became a believer, you became so identified with Jesus' death that you were that. You died to self. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the, the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We are to be so, just as baptism shows an immersion into water, we are so to be so involved with who Jesus is that we are to be immersed in him, not sprinkled on him, not just casually, but we are to be enveloped by him. So much so that we are so baptized by Jesus that in essence the purpose is not that you see Joe Davis, but that you see Jesus. That I have been baptized, I have been immersed into him. Therefore, having been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in Eunice's life. Our life is different now for those of you who are believers. It's not the same. What fascinated you and what occupied you and what goals you set for yourself as prior to your belief in Jesus is different now. You have a new life and we walk differently. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we shall also be in likeness of his resurrection. We have a hope that this is not all that there is. We have a hope that says that I don't live, die, and live again. Our hope is that I have eternal life, that I live, my body rests, but it goes to be in the present. I go to be in the presence of God, and then I am reunited with a new body when his comes again. But that new body isn't like the difference between a Model A and a Maserati. It's the difference between what this body is and what Jesus' body is now. As we saw, as you will see after the resurrection, he just appears in the rooms. He doesn't need a door. He just shows up. But it's also interesting, in his new body, he still has the scars in his hands and his side and his feet. Because those, if you will, are not scars. But for believers, beauty marks. To show that I am in heaven because of him. So we're going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. If we are baptized in Jesus and not by water, but if we are baptized, if we are immersed in him, then we're dead to sin. Which means we have a whole lot more time to do things that are more profitable. Because all you got to do is think about how much time you spend doing things that you shouldn't do. And if you took all that time to do things that God would want you to do, what a difference there would be. That we are to walk in newness of life. If we are dead to sin, then maybe it's easier to love you. Because it's not so important about me. Because I can love you the way he loved you, because he didn't care so much that you loved him back. Because his love, as we sang, was reckless. He gave it away. Because there was so much love between him and the Father, he could risk it. And God has loved you so much that you can love and give it away and no one love you back. Because Jesus loved you with an everlasting love. I am not the same. So yes, for those who are believers and who haven't been baptized into water. It's something that Jesus commanded us to do. It's something that Jesus did set as an example for us to do. But as important as that is, the baptism of being immersed into him is the most important. So I can love my brother who got sprinkled as long as he's baptized into Jesus. Water is important, but he came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And when we're baptized in water, we get wet and then we get dry. But when we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, we are his forever. So, where are you now? Well, Pastor, I've been baptized, but you know, my life just kind of hasn't shown the way it ought to be. You know what? That could end today. Because as again we sang, Jesus is calling. Jesus there is nothing who can separate you from the love of God. All you got to do is come. For those of you who said, you know, 
kind of moving in the right direction, but I kind of saw that's okay. Jesus loves you too. And for those who are mature, understand that your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. And that you are to walk in newness of life. One of the distinctions between believers and non-believers is love. Do people see when they meet you love? Do you have to tell them, I go to church and I'm a Christian? Or does everything you do, say, and are scream it? You see, there are times that we are to confess. Yeah, I did it. I'm a believer. I'm guilty. But there are times in our lives that it should so profess that no one needs to even ask the question because I'm different. And that difference should be so that other people say, tell me more about what makes you different because I don't want to be the same either. The greatest testimony is not opening up the four spiritual laws, but people coming to you and saying, I want what you have. Share. And all God's people said. He said. 
think you can leave a mark Feel a name for yourself Turn your dreams, chase your heart Above all else Make a name the world remembers A tall and empty world To sell his empty dreams A guy lost in the lie When he was out to me To make a name the world remembers Jesus is the Jesus.